When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Yesterday, we were getting calls in from some listeners in the West Cork area and they were getting concerned because they said they have started to notice, particularly across this week, that people are moving into their holiday homes. And some people are worried because they're travelling from very urban areas. And the fear is that the whole family have travelled. But what if dad needs to go back to work? Is dad going to be coming and going? Which is what typically happens when families relocate to holiday holiday homes. There are very few families who will be off for the entire two, three months of the summer. So generally speaking, what happens, the stay-at-home parent, often the mum, it can be the dad as well, will relocate with the children and then dad will be commuting between the holiday home and the urban area where he works. And that's causing concern uh, to people because people feel, particularly in very rural areas and out on the peninsulas, uh, they feel very blessed that there hasn't been COVID-19 or any cases of COVID-19 and they're trying to keep it that way. And remember, in the spirit of the guidelines, people are not meant to travel over five kilometres and there's very few people have their holiday home within five kilometres of their main home. And the message that is coming out today from the Gardaí is don't do it. That's the advice to anybody thinking of driving to their holiday home outside of that five kilometre limit, especially over this bank holiday weekend. This traditionally is the week. It will be along right across this week that secondary schools will be closing for the summer. So families that have teenage children who are lucky enough and blessed enough to have a holiday home this would be the weekend that they would be kicking off their summer at their holiday home or the caravan park or wherever it is but the advice this year to families is simply don't do it and the guard they were speaking yesterday was the launch of an appeal also to road users to exercise extra caution this weekend and the guard they are saying that there will be checkpoints in place they were unfortunately revealing the sad number of road deaths 
pedestrians, for example, it's doubled. The number of fatalities with pedestrians has doubled over last year. 60 people in total have been killed in 56 crashes on our roads. That was up to yesterday for this year and that's up on last year's uh, figures. So in Garda Siakona are saying in light of the increase in the road deaths, they are launching a roads policement enforcing operation that's going to run right across the bank holiday weekend. Of particular concern to the Gardaí though, the number of people who've been arrested so far this year for drinking while on under the influence. Now, while under the influence, it could be drink driving, but it's also for drug driving. Even though all of our pubs have been closed since just before St. Patrick's Day, the COVID-19 restrictions have been in place. It was only two kilometres up to last week and then it went to five kilometres. There has, st- and there is, obviously there's a huge reduction on traffic on our roads, but unfortunately, a total of 1,153 people had been detected driving while under the influence and that was up to March the 27th. So we assume that that number is even higher if you factor in the numbers for April and uh, May. So this weekend, the Garda was saying there will be increased Garda activity and roads policing in enforcement. And the Garda, when they were asked then at that press briefing, were, did they have concerns about the bank holiday weekend? The fact that it is coinciding with exceptional weather and the perception that's out there that the COVID-19 infection numbers are falling, people might be tempted to travel back to holiday homes and to beaches. And uh, Chief Superintendent Cleary said most people were compliant and aware of why they needed to obey restrictions. But he said as regards enforcement, they will be covering all the archeries in and out of the major towns and cities. And we're also hearing and seeing evidence of guard the checkpoints leading into some of the more popular tourist destinations and the beaches. And there's a picture of Agarda on the paper on the road just leading in the examiner today and the road just leading into Inchidani so people will travel and think oh I've got this far I'll be okay you could be stopped just as you're about to park up at the beach and if you are not within the five kilometres you'll be doing a UE and you'll be turning around and you will be going home so the message to people from Agarda Siakona who are tempted to travel to holiday homes this weekend is don't do it. And then the Gardaí were asked about the number of pedestrian deaths. This is really, really shocking. Nine people um, had died, nine pedestrians died between January and May of last year when you look at 2019. But when you look at those figures for that same period, for that three month period for this year, the number of pedestrians killed has jumped to nine, to 18. It is is exactly doubled. So the guard that you're appealing to people, and this we touched on this yesterday. When you're out doing your exercise within the five kilometre limit of your home, when you're out walking or jogging, you need to do it safely. You need to use footpaths. And obviously people are very aware of social distancing, but you need to be extra vigilant and very careful and make sure you're looking around. If you're deciding to get off the footpath, be it if you're out walking or jogging and you're trying to you know, give two metres to the person that you're passing. You need to be careful when you're stepping down from the footpath. I mean, yesterday when we when we spoke about this and touched on it, uh, we had a number of people saying that they had witnessed near misses where they were driving along and suddenly somebody jumped down off the footpath and went too far out, you know, and the, the car nearly clipped them. So you do have to be really, really careful. And it is 
a bank holiday weekend that is going to be sun uh, drenched and people you know there's this whole thing about the holiday homes and the last time I think we really focused and asked people not to travel to their holiday homes was at Easter do you remember the big campaign at Easter we were really sort of just in the start of the, of the lockdown and there was fears that people were going to travel to their holiday homes and at that stage we were only t- allowed to travel two kilometres away from our home and the village of Kilkee you remember the village of Kilkee in, in County Clare they really hit the headlines in April they put up well somebody in the village put up a series of threatening posters and they were displayed all around the scenic town and they were telling holiday home owners to basically the F word was used off uh, and it was printed on this A4 printed page now, at the time, it was widely condemned by uh, locals, but concerns remained about holiday holidaymakers breaking the lockdown rules, travelling into the area at the height of the pandemic. But pandemic and people were worried this is a little rural town and they were afraid that people from urban areas would bring COVID-19 with them now according to one local councillor in the area the mood has changed uh, but the this is a councillor Killian Murphy quoted in the paper saying that people still need to stick to the lockdown rules but at least there's no signs going up telling people to F bum bum uh, away from here uh, but tensions were very fraught and the same while posters like that didn't go up across West Cork thank God but but tensions were frayed and, and people were worried and people still are worried and I know only on Monday we read out a piece from residents on some of our beautiful islands off West Cork encouraging people again it's very clearly stated that nobody's to go onto the islands except people going there for essential services or people that are living there and people on the islands themselves are very much limiting their travel they're not you know taking excessive travel they're, they only come on and off the island when they ap- and it's absolutely necessary because they're trying to protect everyone so I was saddened when I had to read out a piece on Monday reminding people please stay away from the from the islands and then I listened with interest to Micheál Martin he, he is a bit critical of the government um, and suggests that some of the travel restrictions should be dropped saying that there's no scientific basis uh, to them and and he's not the only one. The Irish Council for Civil Liberties is also calling for a relaxation of the coronavirus restrictions. And in particular, it's the travel ones. As We can travel five kilometres at the moment. And then from the 8th of June, so a little over a week away, we will be able to increase our travel to 20 kilometres from our home. But Micheál Martin is questioning the scientific basis for these restrictions. And it, I think he's making an interesting point. Like He says the 20 kilometres rule which will replace the five kilometre rule. He says I don't see the logic of it. He said the public health concern is how people behave around others and it doesn't really matter how far away from home are you. Wherever you are you need to abide by the two metre rule for social distancing and does it really matter if that's outside your front gate or does it really matter that it's 50 miles away from where you live. So he's questioning that. And then the Irish Council for Civil Liberties are saying it's time for the government to trust the people of Ireland to maintain social distance and to self-isolate where necessary. Michael Martin says the evidence is that, that there remains a broad and strong compliance among the public. And, and, and I think he's right on that when it comes to measures that we've been told to do. He said 80% of people, he said, for example, are staying home and few in urban areas are moving outside of the five kilometre rule. But he says the problem then, what's happening with people staying within the five kilometre rule, you're getting overcrowding in very urban areas 
areas. Whereas if people were allowed to travel beyond the five kilometres, it would spread people out. And then when people, wherever they decide to go, They'll stick by the two kilometre rule. But we have a problem at the moment that some of the urban areas are seeing very crowded situations. And I've already this morning seen a text in from a uh, listener saying that the... Hi Patricia, this is Carol. Thank you for your text, Carol. says, I passed the lock in Cork yesterday afternoon. It was packed. But now Carol did say it was packed with a group of students sunbathing and drinking their... you don't know this for sure. Carol reckons they were drinking their €350 from the government. But she said there was no social distancing going on. She said, well done to Minister for Regina Regina Doherty on giving money out to students like confetti at uh, a wedding. So I suppose two issues Carol is raising there. But the reason I mentioned it is she's talking about the lock. And of course, people within within the city would be within the five kilometres all heading to the lock. And then that causes a huge amount of people. Whereas if they were allowed to move further out, would more have gone somewhere else and, you know, could, would people spread out more? I think that's where Micheál Martin is coming from. But then Gary in Tralee says, and, and I'm assuming he's picking me up when I was talking with Simon before 10, saying we can all be very proud of ourselves for what we're, we were, we're achieving when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, Gary in Tralee says, I really have to take issue with this media-driven narrative that we can be proud of ourselves for our, our response to this pandemic. The facts are, our death rate per population is appalling. And as for our abandonment of our most vulnerable citizens in care homes and nursing homes. I think history will judge us with shame and only shame, says Gary Interley. Well, Gary, I think when I talk about we can be very proud, I'm talking about we, the people, the general public. I think we've abided by these restrictions. Now, the authorities made mistakes and they, I think, would be the first to say it. Mistakes, certainly, and it was only discussed this week in the Dáil, mistakes were made when it, come, when it comes to nursing homes and I think in time when we look back, we will see the mistakes and hopefully we're already learning from them and we will never make them uh, before. But I, I think you're wrong in saying that this is, this is a media-driven narrative. I think we as a people can be very proud and it's almost like, and I don't know what age you are, Gary, but I, I remember with foot and mouth and how we all abided by the restrictions and there were tough restrictions at the time and so many things were cancelled and we were all very proud of ourselves as a nation because we kept foot and mouth you know, off this island and we did that because everybody rode in together and we're doing the very same thing with COVID-19 by abiding by the restrictions that are put in place by the government and the health expert. We could have all gone out to hell. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not abiding by that. And then we could have had much more deaths. I agree when you say that the death rate per population, uh, per head of population is appalling. But unfortunately, half of those over what is it, 55% of the deaths are attributed to the nursing home so we can point to and mem- that members of the public were not responsible for that. We can't say that the reason for those deaths was because of what members of the public did. What we can say, because we as a nation abided by the rules, we have managed to, we certainly have more than flattened the curve. We're almost getting rid of COVID-19 in the community and I still think that that's something we can be very proud of. But I thank you for your text. The exceptional weather expected this weekend. Many people who live within five kilometres of a beach will no doubt head to the seaside. But water safety warnings have been issued ahead of the bank holiday weekend. And only English of the Irish Examiner is writing in today's paper about a dramatic rescue of three young swimmers in Inchidani yesterday and Owen English of the Irish Examiner joins me. Good morning to you Owen. Good morning Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Now one eyewitness described it as a very close call. What unfolded yesterday? 
That's right, Patricia. Uh, at around uh, 10 past two yesterday, the alarm was raised when this incident began to unfold. And as you were saying there, it was a busy day on many beaches yesterday. In Chidani, it was like many others. There was many people on the beach. Um, and from uh, our inquiries yesterday, we were able to establish that uh, amongst those uh, enjoying the water at Inchidani yesterday were four young men who were in uh, an area of water about waist high and they were playing with a football. And I spoke to one of the people that was involved in their rescue, uh, a lady called Beth Dara from Conakilty. Uh, she was on the beach with her friend Neve McMahon and their children. They had been surfing earlier. Uh, Neve had gone back in to do a little bit more surfing while Beth was on the beach uh, feeding the kids when Beth said, she heard this uh, really loud call for help. Uh, she said she looked up uh, and found it difficult to see anyone in trouble in the water. Uh, but she began to move towards the water. And as she did, uh, the calls for help got louder. Uh, and she realized immediately that something was wrong. And Beth told me, um, she said that she and Neva both experienced uh, surfers. They both have life-saving training. Um, and she shouted to other people on the beach to run and get a life buoy to raise the alarm with the various emergency services. She said she called to somebody to ring the guards, to ring the coast guard, uh, to ring for uh, an ambulance, to basically call everybody. And she ran towards the water. And as she began to make her way out into the water, um, she was joined by a local teenager, uh, who she checked to see if, if this teenager had, had life-saving experience and uh, the, the girl, Lynn McCarthy, said she did. So they both decided that they'd go out into the water to try and find out what was going on and to see if they could help. And as they were making their way out, they saw um, a, a Spanish man actually helping a young man out of the water. The, the young man was in, was in great distress. Uh, they'd subsequently discovered that he had been the man who was screaming for help uh, and he told them that he had three friends who were still in trouble in the water. Um, so we have Beth Darrer, this teenager, Lynn McCarthy, now wading out into the water. Uh, and uh, the, the the young man who's in distress is being helped up to, to the safety of the shoreline. Uh, and Beth said she looked up and she could see her friend Neve surfing just a little further out, uh, beginning to make her way towards an area of the beach um, that would be known to locals as the Virgin Mary's Bank. It's uh, sort of at the western end of the beach. Uh, and Beth said that as they were making their way out and getting into deeper water, she could see uh, a potentially deadly rip current uh, active in the area. So she advised uh, Lynn to avoid the rip, to make their way back in towards the shore, to go around the rip and then to head back out while avoiding the rip current. And as they were making their way out this time, uh, they could see Neve had made her way a little further out into an area of water about uh, chest to neck high. Neil was on her surfboard and she had managed to grab uh, one man who was in extreme distress onto the safety of her surfboard. He was uh, clearly in difficulty. He was vomiting. Uh, I was told that Neil was considering at that point that she may have to do CPR on the young man. Uh, Neil also managed to grab hold of a, a third young man uh, while uh, Beth and Lynn then managed to find the third, uh, the fourth person who was in distress from the water. Uh, and between them all, Neve with one person on her surfboard uh, and, 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 and another young man clinging to her, uh, and then Beth and Lynn uh, helping uh, the fourth young man, also with the aid of a paddleboard, they all managed to get uh, the three young men who were in difficulty to the safety uh, of the shoreline.
And as all this was going on, the Court McSherry lifeboat had been tasked. The Castle Freak Coast Guard units were also on alert. Uh, and the Shannon Bay's Coast Guard Helicopter Rescue 115 was also making its way to the scene. Now, thankfully, um, all three young men who were in difficulty in the water uh, were brought to safety. Two of them did require medical attention. So while the Court McSherry lifeboat was stood down, um, the Shannon based Coast Guard helicopter did arrive at the scene, as did HSE paramedics and uh, two of the young men. They were treated at the scene uh, and two were taken to hospital for further assessments. Now I understand their conditions are, are stable, they're going to be fine. Oh but this was a very, very close call for them all. My God, um, it's the, 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 the drama of it all. And But what was great was everybody appeared to stay reasonably calm in the situation, which is exactly what you need in a situation like that. Calm heads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think what was lucky for these young men, in fact, one of them, I understand, is actually a, a pool lifeguard himself. Um, and uh, they were they were being responsible. They were in, um, you know, waist high water. They were they were within their depth when they just seemed to have got caught in this uh, this rip current, and they were they were effectively swept out to sea. Uh, and Beth said that if it hadn't been for one of them screaming so loudly for help. Uh, nobody would have noticed that that this emergency was unfolding. And I think the young men were also extremely lucky in that um, the the right people were both on the beach and in the water at the right time Mm. with the right equipment. Uh, And they had the the, the skills and the confidence to go into the water and to help them. And and when they got them all out, uh, there was a number of people also on the beach. There was an off-duty fireman, I understand, who was able to supply gels to keep them warm. Um, and they were said to have been extremely uh, appreciative of all the efforts that people had gone to. And I think when you know if they they've woken up this morning, I think they'll count themselves as very very lucky to. Uh, it shows though the power of the sea, doesn't it? Something as simple as I mean, waist high with a football, throwing it from one to the other, having a bit of fun, and literally in almost a split second, they're in trouble. Yes, and I think what was also interesting, as it was relayed to me last night by, by some of the people involved in their rescue, was that this was all happening just about two or 300 yards offshore. The, the tide was out at the time. People on the beach were just enjoying their lunch. They were enjoying the sunshine. And three young men were, were, were fighting for their lives just a few yards offshore. And mm. it was difficult for people in the first instance to hear them. And then in the second instance, to, to, to get to them. And if it hadn't been for the fact that the people who went out had life-saving skills, were experienced surfers different and had story. paddleboards. Uh, we could be dealing with a yeah, tragedy this Yeah, morning. a very different uh, story. And then an hour later, what you described as a false alarm, but with good intent. Yeah, uh, as, uh, just after three o'clock, the alarm was raised again, this time in Glandor Bay, when uh, there was a report made to the emergency services that two swimmers ha- had gone missing or hadn't shown up. Uh, and again, now there was a, a full turnout of emergency services. The Union Hall uh, inshore lifeboat was tasked, as was the Waterford-based Coast Guard helicopter this time. Um, but about 20 minutes after the lifeboat launched, uh, the two swimmers turned up at the pier and the alarm was stood down. And uh, uh, Union Hall lifeboat last night said that, look, it was, a, it was a false alarm with good intent. Obviously, somebody who was with this group of swimmers thought they had gone missing. They, uh, the 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 two swimmers hadn't either shown up where they were supposed to or when they had supposed to and the alarm was raised and uh, they did do the right thing by raising the alarm but there was uh, advice last night that if people are going for swims 
uh, that they need to tell people on shore when they're due back and they need to arrive back at the at the right time. Um, and I suppose there's a lot of concern now amongst people in the emergency services and, and involved in water safety that coming into the bank holiday weekend uh, with good weather forecast and notwithstanding the five kilometre travel restriction that we could see a lot of people heading to the beaches this weekend and because of the various restrictions in place, there are no lifeguards on duty. So uh, the, the warning is... Um, act responsibly if you're in or around the water this weekend. Yeah, because I already see some calls coming from Inchidani saying that the amount of cars that were down in Inchidani, uh, I assumed that it was dead quiet because of the five kilometre rule uh, but there was a lot of, of people and people are fearful about the weekend because the five kilometre rule is still in place so and you're only allowed to travel if it is within five kilometres. Well, that's the guidelines, uh, Patricia, but I think you and I both know mm-hmm. and I mean, we're seeing it every morning on the roads, we're, we're seeing it on social media. Uh, most people or a lot of people just aren't abiding by those guidelines anymore and uh, I was actually looking, Inchidani has a beach camp and I was looking at that beach camp yesterday around the time of the rescue and shortly afterwards and the beach was busy. Uh, I've seen pictures on social media last night and again today, you know, um, a lot of these areas are, are very busy uh, they can't all be living within five kilometres. Uh, and I just think, you know, just people need to stop and think um, that if they are going to travel, uh, they need to stay within the five kilometres. And if they are going to beaches, they just need to watch out. And But I, I, I hadn't realised that there's no lifeguards on duty until you mentioned it. Yeah, uh, it's because of the coronavirus restrictions. Yeah. I've put a query into Cork County Council, who'd be responsible for the lifeguard service on the beaches in Cork, just to see if they're thinking of changing that um, situation or if there are any plans to reintroduce the lifeguard service. Because the they normally would be on duty by now, would they? I think they're on duty from the middle of May. May, sure, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And they're certainly um, at the weekends, the bank holiday weekends, they're certainly there. Yeah, I mean, this would be sort of the traditional kickoff for uh, for, for a lot of the sort of the, the beach going season, um, you know, exam time or, or well, what should be exam time yeah. um, uh, at schools and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've just put the queries into the local authority here to see what the situation is in relation to Cork beaches and into the Department of the Environment just to see if there's a, a wider position in relation to beaches nationwide, just to see if and when lifeguard services may be introduced. I'm just waiting for replies on but that. But all, all the more reason to be extra careful if you are going to the beach. Exactly. I think what we saw yesterday is a stark example of how quickly things can change, even for people who are being responsible in the water. Uh, this rip current caught these four young men within seconds and they're all lucky to escape with their lives. OK, listen, uh, thank you for that, um, uh, Owen, and uh, enjoy your bank holiday weekend and stay safe. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Good morning to you. That is uh, Owen English uh, joining us from the Irish Examiner and well done uh, to everybody who got involved in that rescue yesterday and thank God that those uh, young men are all okay. 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork Today on C103 With Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September Plan your future education See the full range of courses at Mallow College For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. 
Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. By the way, we've, we had some calls and reports in earlier that there was a problem with the three mobile phone reception in the Beira area and around the Iris uh, area. So we got onto the three network and they have confirmed there are reception problems in Iris and Beira this morning. There is, they say, it's due to a piece of faulty hardware on the site that serves the area and they are working on the issue just to let people in that area of West Cork know who are with three they're working on it as we speak now from today any person coming into Ireland from abroad will now be legally required to fill out a form telling authorities where they will be self-isolating for the next 14 days to find out what it means for passengers arriving at Cork Airport I'm joined by Kevin Cullinan Head of Communications at Cork Airport good morning to you Kevin Good morning, Patricia. And you, uh, you're welcome to the programme. Do they fill in these forms before they get off the plane or are the forms filled in at the terminal? Well, in most instances, the, the airlines, and in Cork's case at the moment, we only have uh, a single flight with Aer Lingus and a single flight with Ryanair coming in. Um, the airline have the passenger locator forms on board. Um, so passengers, when they're now making bookings, are being uh, advised of this, that they need to have them completed and then there's obviously signage uh, on the passenger uh, corridor leading into uh, immigration where people must hand in those passenger locator forms to the Gardaí on arrival. So uh, it's become law uh, overnight. The, the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, brought this in. And uh, it just allows people uh, to give an address where they're staying in Ireland or obviously where they live uh, if contact tracing is required subsequently. Yeah, the, the forms, it's the same form that had been there for the last number of weeks. It's just now been put on a mandatory footing, isn't isn't, the, that, isn't that the case? That is exactly yeah. so. And the, and the address is just for contact tracing reasons only. It's not that the authorities are going to go knock on somebody's door to make sure that they're self-isolating. Well, it's a, it's a piece of government legislation. Obviously, the, the intent is obviously to allow people... Um, if they need to be contacted, if they've been in contact with somebody who unfortunately has been di- diagnosed with COVID-19, um, then obviously the, the health authorities can make immediate contact with the, with those individuals. So I think that's the intent behind the, the legislation. Um, obviously, up to now, it was, it was voluntary, it, whether people gave that information or not. Um, but now, obviously, it's on a, a statutory footing. footing. OK. You mentioned one flight a day from uh, Aer Lingus and uh, Ryanair. Uh, what does the airport feel like, uh, Kevin? I mean, I'm assuming it's eerily quiet. Uh, well, two days a week on a Tuesday and a Saturday at the moment, there are, there are no flights whatsoever. Um, so it is a bit like the Mary Celeste um, when you enter the terminal building. Uh, there are no cafes, restaurants open. Um, the bank has closed during the, this, this period over the last uh, 10 weeks. Uh, there's nobody manning check-in desks, obviously, on those two days. And obviously for anyone that is, and there are very, very few, um, there'd be a maximum of 40 people uh, any day at the moment flying through the airport on that single or, or on a couple of days, there's, there's a, a flight to Heathrow and London standstill. But for the rest of the time, the airport is, is open for vital air services. Obviously, People like the National Ambulance Service and the the Air Corps, um, the rescue services, they need to obviously be able to take off and land safely. So we have been open as an essential service throughout this whole pandemic crisis. And 
at the outset, it was important to be open, obviously, for the repatriation of, of Irish men and women that were stranded overseas or indeed doctors and nurses that were making their way back from Australia or New Zealand or Canada um, to, to, to answer Ireland's call in the, in the health service. But also, obviously, we have a role to play in terms of just making sure that supply chains have been maintained for the import uh, and export of key supplies. So uh, we still have a key role to play in those search and rescue missions and medical evacuations as they're required. But it's a very, very quiet airport. Uh, and you know, 99% of the, the numbers we would have ordinarily seen at this time of year um, are absolutely gone at this stage. I mean, this weekend, Bank Holiday weekend, the June Bank Holiday weekend, it would really have been kicking off your summer season, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it, ironically, the, the end of March is when the airlines uh, normally kick in. The last Sunday of March is the traditional start for the, the summer schedules by beach of the airlines. And normally from March onwards, you're looking at a, an upward trajectory uh, up until August in terms of numbers of flights and passengers coming in and going out. Uh, the reverse has obviously happened since the middle of March, where we've seen uh, uh, traffic numbers literally uh, fall off the cliff. And I see, you know, today the CSO um, released their results for, for overseas travel for the month of April. And again, that confirms there's been a 99% drop year on year in terms of the number of people arriving into Ireland uh, and indeed those departing. So all airports and all ferry ports have been witnessing and experiencing this over the last couple of months. Yeah, I've, the, the figures were quite stark. I mean, 1.7 million people arrived into Ireland in April of 2019. And you compare that this year, it was only 12,100 arrived at the airports with only 4,000 then arriving by ferry. It's a, uh, They really are stark, stark figures. When, Kevin, do you hope to see an increase in flights? Um, being realistic, I think it's going to be later into July and into August. Um, at the moment, um, airlines are only operating kind of a, within a, a two to three week window um, because the health situation in each country is very, very different and there's individual restrictions by, by national governments in place right across Europe at the moment. So it's not a case that, you know, Europe can reopen on, on the same week and the same month. So it's going to be a very, very gradual uh, reopening up uh, of routes. And some routes just won't open up this year. You know, we're so deep into the summer season, as you say, that we'll have lost the May and June bank holiday weekends. And so a lot of traditional summer sun routes just will not uh, operate this year. Um, and then it'll be a case to see which uh, corridors of travel can open up. Uh, they're now talking about air bubbles um, yeah. where where it, it would be possible for, say, flights from Ireland to reopen up onto into other countries uh, that would, you know, where they'd be at a similar level uh, in terms of, of, of their return. Um, could you see that? Could you see that working? I mean, I know the Canary Islands was one place that was mentioned, and they've had very low COVID nineteen cases. A lot of Irish people, a lot of Cork people, like to go to the Canary Islands. Could you see that travel bubble working? Um, I, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, that you'll find that there'll be kind of bilateral agreements with similar safe countries. So, Ireland maybe to the Canary Islands, or Ireland to Spain. Uh, you know, Germany, Austria, Czech Republic are similar uh, stages of their their recovery in terms of suppressing the, the virus at this stage. Um, obviously, one of the, the, the big impediments 
to that happening at the moment is the 14-day mandatory quarantine. So even if you went to the Canaries at the moment or if travel was to resume, you would be expected, obviously, to self-quarantine for those 14 days you're out there. Uh, and when you come back, um, obviously, you'd be filling in one of these new government passenger locator forms uh, saying that you are obviously going to self-quarantine on your return. So until until that situation is addressed... Uh, I know it's to be reviewed It's to be reviewed on uh, June 18th, I think, and the Irish Airline Pilots Association, they're calling on the government uh, to rethink that blanket uh, guarantee along with Michael O'Leary of Ryanair. Yes, so until until the 14-day quarantine period uh, has been relaxed, um, it's really very difficult to see how airlines would decide uh, to start flying to markets when they know there just isn't going to be the demand. People will not, you know, for if you wanted to spend a week uh, in, in the Canaries, it's going to be in the, end up costing you three weeks of your annual leave. Yeah. Um, on the, on, by, by the time you take the fortnight into consideration that you have to self-quarantine on, on your return. But look, you know, it's been a national response to, to to flatten this curve over the last number of months. And as a nation, we've done made great strides, but at enormous economic costs. And, you know, following this public health crisis, we're now into a bit of a, an economic crisis and we just have to... Uh, and, and chart our way through through these choppy waters and, and hopefully, you know, by the end of the year and into the start of next year, uh, it'll be a very slow recovery, um, but normal routes may start to open uh, for March of next year. And you've been appointed to the, to the Visit Cork Tourism Task Force. How hopeful are you, Kevin, that the tourism sector will recover and will we be able to recover some of it for this year? I think what we're going to see for, for the remainder of this year is, is an emphasis on so-called staycations where where we'll be obviously holidaying at home. Uh, and once the hospitality sector, again, which has been similarly decimated over the last number of months, once they're able to start reopening presently uh, and people can start to to start renting holiday homes. And, you know, I heard your concerns on the programme earlier about people in, in West Cork about this weekend, but... Um, when the hospitality sector gets the green light to safely reopen, uh, then I think you know what the region here in, in the Greater Cork region, East Cork, West Cork, North Cork, will be looking to do is obviously win back lost market share and encourage people from around the country um, to visit Cork and enjoy you know the, the plethora of uh, amenities that we have here, the fantastic scenery uh, ashore and afloat, uh, and enjoy you know the great gastronomical delight that we have in, in West Cork, North Cork and in East Cork. Um, but I think, you know, uh, the, the annual holiday abroad this year is going to be put on ice until next year and hopefully we can start to see a gradual return to, to city breaks and visiting family and friends in the autumn and beyond. Yeah, and some kind of normality. Uh, listen, good luck on that task force, Kevin, and stay safe and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. My pleasure, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Kevin Cullinan there, who is Head of Communications at Cork Airport. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie.
Everyone's daily routine has been affected by COVID-19. It can be tricky, but it's more important than ever to look after our general health. Eating well is a huge part of that. It can be hard to know when to eat, what to eat, and how much to eat at the moment. So try to keep to regular times for three meals and two to three snack breaks a day. Setting an alarm on your phone for the first few days to remind you will help. Whatever your circumstances, what's for dinner can be a daily challenge. Planning meals for the week can make this easier and help you make healthier food choices. The food pyramid is always a good guide and make sure to drink plenty of water. Keeping hydrated is so important. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. There is a burst water main in Donnerail. Unfortunately, it's leading to no water today or the surrounding areas. Uh, Irish Water Co. County Council working on it and they expect supply to be back by about four o'clock this afternoon. We were talking about road fatalities earlier and the need for everybody to slow down across this weekend and the Gardaí are going to be out in force, but they particularly wanted to highlight the number of pedestrians that have been killed on our road in the first three months of this year it's doubled the number of pedestrians compared to uh, last year and they're putting that down to lockdown and people have been out uh, getting exercise and people giving each other the two metre distancing rule and maybe just stepping off the footpath and not looking see if there's cars coming etc you need to be so careful when you're out and about and John heard us talking about that earlier and he says Patricia you need to remind people to be careful uh, when they're out walking those that are wearing earphones and have headphones on and lots of people do that for jogging as well they uh, need to be particularly careful because they can't hear traffic coming up behind them so people need to be wary of that and be aware of that when you're out walking or jogging with your when you have headphones in to make sure that they're not too loud that you're still able to hear cars uh, coming okay we need to take a break we have news at 11 on the way in the next hour we're going to find out about when will people be able to go back and kiss the blarney stone and also hearing uh, a story from a young ucc graduate sharing his journey of how he battled anorexia nervosa court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The operators of Blarney Castle, one of this country's top tourist attractions, say they're still trying to figure out how to allow people access the world-famous Blarney Stone. To find out how things are going, I'm joined by Paul O'Sullivan, who is the marketing manager at Blarney Castle. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very well, and you're welcome on what is a gorgeous, beautiful, sunny day uh, today. And I imagine no better place to be when the sun is shining than Blarney. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I was actually up by the the azaleas um, yesterday, and it was uh, it was just absolutely amazing. Just beautiful colour, um, and with, you know, with sixty acres of of gardens, it's. Uh, it's a fantastic place to come yeah. to walk at the moment. It's 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 a great amenity uh, to have. Now, just to explain that to people, the estate and the gardens are now open. You you were closed at one stage. Yeah, so we closed and um, we closed for about seven weeks okay. um, there at the end of March. And um, last Monday we we reopened just just the gardens for the for the time being. Um, and and it's been great. You know, a lot of local people have have been in enjoying it. You know, obviously within the five kilometres. 
Um, and it's been it's been great to see some familiar faces back. We have a lot of annual members here, um, so they were thrilled when we announced that we were back open, and they've been, they've been really enjoying being back. And you mentioned the azaleas. I imagine the the garden's in full bloom. It's it's spectacular. No matter what part you go to, genuinely, it's probably the best it's looked. Um, I'm here 13 years um, in in Blarney Castle, and it's it is it is fantastic. Um, the azaleas, which is up towards the house, is is, is fab. And then when you go down towards the Himalayan Valley and the, the Fern Garden, um, you know they're just they're just spectacular at the moment. Uh, it really is a treat to be to be walking around um, here at the moment. Yeah, because the weather has really helped, hasn't it, with the gardens? With I mean, everyone's just looking so well because of the fine weather. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be a crucial part of it going forward. You know, uh, especially with a domestic market. You know, for for the rest of the year, I think if the weather is is good, I think that will obviously. Um, you know, help help greatly. Um, you know, if the weather, the way if we get a bad summer with with a lot of rain, it's going to make life probably a bit more difficult. Yeah, but I, I mean, I was just talking with Kevin Cullinan of Cork Airport. I mean, they're even accepting, you know, air travel for a lot of people is gone uh, this year, and it is going to all be about staycationing. Yeah, it is, and and, and you know that's going to be fantastic because you know. I suppose you know, some people may not have, uh, have you know, gone around to attractions around the country um, and it'll be a great opportunity for them to experience exactly what Ireland has. And, yeah. and in fairness, we have a fantastic array of tourist attractions in this country and in particular in Cork. It's, you know, we really do have a great show of attractions and a great variety for people to go and explore. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be a great experience for people, I, I think, to be honest. Yeah, and you know, we're all trying to look for positives uh, during this uh, pandemic and when it's all behind us, it's the positives we'll be trying to yeah. home in on. And I, I really do believe that this country is going to open up to our own native people. They're going to discover parts of the country that they never, you know, that they only ever heard about. Oh, I must go visit there. They, ne- they now will have the opportunity this year to do it. And, you know, hopefully they'll get a love for a- an area and they'll get a love of visiting and di- visiting different parts of the country. And, it, it you know, it could be a win-win going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even here so already, you know, we've had some people, you know, maybe not from Barney, but a little further out and never been here before. And, and just from word of mouth, and, and they've, they've come in and just blown away by it. And they've been recommending it to to as many people as, as they can. So, um, you know, I think it will be, I think people will be pleasantly surprised, I think, when they, they see exactly what's on offer, you know, here in Blarney for ourselves, but um, outside of that in, in, in Cork County and Cork City. OK, so you've got the estate and the gardens open. When do you expect the castle and the Blarney Stone to reopen? Yeah, so this is the, this is the question that uh, everybody um, wants to know. Um, we've been... In fairness, we've been receiving a lot of emails from uh, from people wondering about the the stone in the castle. Uh, I suppose particularly international, possibly for next year. Um, the castle, I, I think, really the castle will come under phase four potentially. Um, it mentions culture institutions, the museum. So I think we we'll kind of be looking at that kind of timeline for for the castle. As July twentieth. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, now I say that all depends on on what happens, I suppose, in the six weeks between now and then. Um, if the three-week periods keep going that way, if, then obviously if there's a different change in that, it could be sooner or later, depending on how things are going. Hopefully things are going well. The stone is the interesting one, um, I suppose, at the moment. Um, you know, it doesn't come under any, I suppose, guidelines at the moment. It's not in any of the phases. So we're, we're looking at different options of what we could potentially do. 
um, to try and maybe see if we can get that back up and running as well. Um, where there's a lot of great ideas been been thrown out at the moment um, here amongst the group. So we're literally going through them and seeing what's feasible, what's not, and, and what would be the most practical and, and best steps really going forward. For, for I mean, what, what are you thinking of? Some kind of sterilisation between each kiss? Now, to be fair, you see, we, we've always cleaned the stone. So yeah. that's something that we, we've always done. So that's, I suppose, nothing new, really. Um, so I suppose it's just to see if there's any uh, other measures to, I suppose, go along with that that we can uh, that we can do. Um, you know, I suppose, you know, technology nowadays, there's some great advancements. You've got UV light, you know, which, uh, which you know, can kill 99.9% of bacteria. Yeah, and things like that. yeah. So there's, there's a huge array of things that, that we're looking at. But, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes down to what, what's the most practical for us. Obviously, with, you know, a 600-year-old building as well, you know, trying to manage, you know, social distancing and things like that. So it's, it all goes hand in hand. But, look, it, it's, it's something that we think is, is, is very doable. But I suppose we just want to get a plan, you know, sorted. And then, I suppose, once we know what we're doing, then obviously we'll, we'll, we'll let the let everybody else know. And again, this argument that's going on about the two metre social distancing versus the one metre social distancing yeah. and, you know, for every one article you read saying it, one metre is fine, they'll read ten more that says, no, you need to have two. Uh, but we know that discussions are ongoing by the government and by NEFET as to whether it will at some stage get reduced. That would make a big difference to you, wouldn't it, to you guys? Yes, I suppose, like, it's it's kind of a difficult one because if it's just going to be a domestic market this year, it's 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 hard to know how busy we would be. I mean, I know in previous years, you know, you'll see pictures of long queues at maybe of, uh, on certain days at, at our attraction. But whether we'll have that same volume, and but obviously, yeah, for if, if you're going from you know two meter distance to one, it, it would make things um, a little bit easier. But I still think we, we will be able to to come up with something, no problem, if it's two. You know, I, I think either way, um, we'll be fine. But one obviously would make it um, would make it a little bit easier um, for us. Okay, and I was at, at the at the moment sorry. you have social distancing. I, I take it you have signs around and everything, have you? Yeah. So um, I suppose what we have in place um, is our our ticket office area is probably the, the you know that's your first location you come to. We have our markings all set out there for two meter distancing, um, and um, once you're through, then you see you're pretty much outdoors. Then the whole way through. Obviously, um, saying you know, like guidelines for a social distancing outdoors, we those up um, throughout. Um, but really, once you're into the gardens, there's so many tracks and trails and walkways, and um, you really are kind of on your own after that. Yeah, um, it, yeah. we are looking from that. They're exactly the kind of locations that are ideal for social distancing and for people to go and, and be on their own in in a little uh, family group. What about the cafe? Is that open? Yeah, so we we have the cafe open, but it's takeaway only. Okay, so, yeah. Um, and, and that's that's been great, you know. In fairness, a lot of people have been supporting that, and it's been doing well. But we've been lucky so far in that every day has been kind of nice, kind of constant stream of people. There hasn't been a big influx at the same time, so it's been it's been you know really straightforward to manage it um, at the moment. But this kind of gradual phase is, is probably a, a good thing for us because we can really take it a phase at a time, do phase one, see how that works. And then we'll go into phase two and see what we can change from there and so on and build up then to the, you know, the castle reopening then hopefully in July. Um, and we'll have yeah. learned a lot by then. Yeah, and then hopefully, you know, as we head into that stage on the 20th of July and then the final phase is the 10th of August, uh, you know, there's still a chance to grab some of that 
tourism season? Yeah, I think the potential is definitely there. I think I think there will be an appetite for people. You know, they will want to, you know, to get away for a staycation break at some point. You know, so I think I think there's definitely opportunities there. Um, and I mean, Cork has a, has a great offering, so hopefully, a lot of people will will, will come to come to the city and county and, and explore what we have to offer. And please God, this time next year we'll be talking about how busy you are and all the Americans will be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Listen, um, beautiful place, as I say, to be with the sun shining. Uh, Paul, thank you for joining us uh, on the programme and stay safe. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Paul O'Sullivan there, who is the marketing manager of Blarney Castle. And just to remind people that the gardens and the estate are open. If you are within your five kilometres, what a gorgeous place to go and spend a few hours, particularly with the fine weather that's expected across this weekend. John in Mallow has been on. He reckons Dr Tony Houlihan is on a bit of a power trip at the moment. John said, did anybody notice how agitated he got yesterday on the media press briefing when somebody was pushing him. I remember the media was pushing him on a particular question. He just didn't seem to like the question. And when it comes to being in the doll, uh, John also watched it and he felt that he was avoiding certain questions. But John's point is that people are sick of this five kilometre rule. And even though people are abiding by it, he reckons people are just sick to the teeth of not being able to travel beyond five kilometres. He says it was tough enough when it went on between six and eight weeks but it's literally going on too long. He says that he hopes that they speed up the phases. We know the next phase is going to come in on June the 8th and that's when people will be allowed to extend their radius of travel to 20 uh, kilometres and that's when phase two uh, kicks in. But reading the papers today government sources have expressed confidence that there may be some easing of restrictions on June 8th beyond what was originally envisaged. I mean if we can keep going going the way we're going, then there are already talks that some things that may have been contained, say, in phase three or phase four could be moved back. So, John, hang in there. Things may uh, change. While some additional elements may be included on top of what was initially intended, one of the ones that they are talking about is an easing of the restrictions on nursing home uh, visits, um, which I know for so many people are really desperate to be allowed to get in to visit their loved ones inside in nursing homes. I mean, the residents inside in the nursing homes can't wait to see their families. But certainly for family members, we would hear certainly on this programme, we've been contacted by people who are absolutely heartbroken because they haven't seen a much-loved mum or dad and they haven't seen them since March. And here we are coming towards the end of May. So it seems that the HSE are examining that at the uh, moment. And if you're looking for, I mean, we know we've spoken about how sad it is that over half, I think 55% of all the deaths that have occurred so far have occurred in in nursing homes, uh, 884 of them, uh, bless may they rest in in peace. The outbreaks have been stemmed now to 29 COVID-19 clusters in uh, nursing homes. And the really good news is there has been no new cases in any nursing homes in the past 28 days. So certainly really good news from the nursing home sector and that certainly would give everybody hope that they will be able to in some way ease visitor restriction in nursing homes so that people can be allowed in. I know in the United Kingdom they're allowing people to visit nursing homes but you have to stay in your car 
Which kind of is a little bit like what some nursing homes have been doing here already where people have gone outside uh, people's windows and, you know, been talking uh, inside in, in windows. I would like that we will be able to get in and see our loved ones in nursing homes. Now, I'm assuming the two kilometre or the two metre rule will still be in place and you won't be able to hug anyone. You won't be able to kiss uh, your loved one because I know when I mentioned, when I teed up that we were, we were going to be doing the Blarney Stone and when will people be able to kiss the Blarney Stone and, and more wanted to talk about the tourism aspect of it but somebody was saying Patricia to be honest my question would be when are we going to be able to kiss our grandchildren rather than worrying about kissing the Blarney Stone that's come in from Mary you're not on your own there Mary so many people desperately want to know when they're going to be able to uh, hug a much loved grandchild I think when we get into the next phase on June 8th when you're allowed to visit people in their homes n- no more than four people People are allowed to will be allowed to visit people in their homes from June the eighth, and social distancing will have to remain in place. Uh, but I think that's going to allow people to visit parents and grandparents and grandchildren. But the hugging of the grandchildren, I think we're going to be waiting some time for that. And just by the way, on the nursing homes uh, issue, the Irish Times today now they're saying it's a confidential HSE figures obtained by the Irish uh, Times. And it shows for the first time the precise impact of COVID-19 on those living in care homes and residential facilities. And inside in the Irish Times, they list all of the deaths at the various private nursing homes and it names the nursing homes and how many people have passed away in each of the nursing homes. And there's a list of private nursing homes. We've gone down through it. There's five listed for here in uh, Cork, where people have died in a private nursing home. And the figures are low when you look at some of the figures from Dublin, mainly around Dublin. The worst was a nursing home in Kildare. And then it's Dublin, Dublin, Dublin. There was a a high number of deaths in a nursing home in County Louth uh, as well. And they also list the public homes uh, where they have COVID-19 deaths. There's three homes here in Cork uh, mentioned on uh, those because... and, and. I think I suppose to anyone who has a loved one in a nursing home, they're going to want to know is COVID-19 in the nursing home and how many people have died. But the fact of the private nursing homes, there's only five on the list for the whole of Cork City and uh, County. So the majority of our nursing homes here in this country, in this county, uh, thankfully are COVID-19 free and long, long may that last. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Wesco Windows they are looking for window fitters while Charleville Plantar looking to recruit a new lorry driver you need to have a minimum of a C1 driver's licence a general operative wanted for part time work power washing and painting that's in the mid Cork area and a childminder is wanted four days per week for a six month old baby in the Clonakilty Rathbarry area You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. It's time to say Due to COVID-19, cocooning is advised for all people over 70 years old. If a family member or friend is cocooning, here's some helpful advice. They should stay home and avoid face-to-face contact. 
Keep in touch by phone or online. Stay mobile by moving as much as possible. Go for a short walk while maintaining strict social distancing. Ask others to get shopping or medicine. Use the phone to contact their GP or other services. And remember, no visitors except for essential carers. It's time to This message is supported by Home Instead Senior Care. Their staff are fully equipped to ensure your loved one's safety in their own homes. See homeinstead.ie. For COVID-19 updates and information, stay listening to C103. Talking about the Blarney Stone, John in Blackpool says, Patricia, on the Blarney Stone, this might make you smile. I kissed the Blarney Stone once, says John, and my partner says, John, you must have taken a bite out of it. She said, you never stop talking. That's <laughs> John in Blackpool. Thank you for that, uh, John. And a listener in West Cork, Jim, says, Patricia, did you or any of your listeners know anything about what was a bright light passing across the sky over West Cork last night. It was at about 11 o'clock and somebody straight away was saying, was that not the spaceship that launched the SpaceX uh, launch? And I can tell you it definitely wasn't that because I was watching that live. It was due, I think it was 933 Irish time. The SpaceX was due to uh, launch, but NASA had to call it off at the within minutes uh, because of uh, it was weather. It was a weather issue, and it got called off just at the last few minutes. Even though there's loads of conspiracy theories as, as to why it was called off, but anyway, NASA said no, they called it off because of the weather, and you could see cloud was was coming in and all of that. So, so had that gone ahead, uh, Jim in West Cork, I would have said it was probably the spaceship, but it wasn't. So I don't know what it was. Let's see. Did anybody else? notice a very bright light passing across the sky over West Cork yesterday, last night at about 11 o'clock. Did anybody notice it? And does anybody know what it is? 1850 Now, a young UCC graduate has opened up about his battle living with the eating disorder anorexia nervosa and he hopes by sharing his story to raise money for Bodywise, who are the Eating Disorders Association of Ireland. Shane Cray uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Shane. Morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well. Now, firstly, you're a graduate in public health science from public health sciences from UCC. Have you had? You're not having a graduation ceremony, are you this year? Uh, unfortunately, not. We had a, a Zoom meeting, which oh. was um, a lot different, but uh, it was still interesting to do. Um, tomorrow again, we're getting our results, so it'd be interesting to see how it gets on. But um, yeah, I think it's all disappointing. of yeah the anyone who, like leaving Sir class and anybody graduating in 2020, you'll certainly remember your graduation oh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, to remember for the for the different way the ceremonies happened, if uh, nothing else. So you get your you get your exam results tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Or sorry, no, sorry, it's, it's today. It's today. Oh, okay. um, but I don't plan on looking at them till uh, till tomorrow anyway. Okay, well done. Give myself a break. Well done, well done. Okay, let me uh, let's talk about your uh, eating issues. When, when did you start to have issues with food that you can honestly say I can pinpoint it to around that time, or can you? See, the thing with eating disorders and mental health conditions in general, it's very difficult to pinpoint um, a condition exactly to one time and space. For example, like a lot of my uh, relationship with food the issue with that came after um the passing of my grandfather which was in 2015 and now we shared a very um intimate bond with my grandfather my brothers and the entirety of my family and 
I suppose that was the first instance of um, where it started because it is like it's a major grieving and to lose a family member can really cause a lot of self-reflection. And what what age were you? I would have been 17 at that time. So what, in fifth year in school? Fifth was year, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Prior it, to leaving, sir. And was your granddad's death sudden? No, it was uh, cancer. Okay. So it was prolonged over a period of about four years. Uh, the way he went was, it was great in a way because he was surrounded by family and friends. But it was very traumatic that way because, you know, at the, at the age of 17, you're not used to it. You're not, it's hard to get used to death. Yeah. And when you start thinking about it, you start kind of focusing more on yourself. And then with that can arise different imperfections. I suppose that's where a lot of it came for the starting points, which was, again, the whole idea was weight loss. I mean, and at, at that mm-hmm. up to that point, mm-hmm. did you have an issue with your weight? Were you underweight? No. Were you overweight? No, you were just a normal, a normal, yeah, an enormous seventeen-year-old. Yeah, so I would have been sport. I would have been highly involved in football, uh, numerous clubs around Bandon, and it was just after my grandfather passed. It was just a lot of self-reflection. It was just, you know, you're inside your own thoughts, and you have to find something that needs to change. And for me, it was my relationship with food. I became very obsessed with restricting foods, which was mainly carbs, cutting down bread and pastas and et cetera to like limit my calorie intake. Then with that became an obsession with weighing myself. So you wake up in the morning and most people, it'd be a coffee or you get up in your breakfast. For me, it was you get up and you weigh yourself. You know, you, yeah. you just, you initially wake up and the first thing you want to do is get on that scale and you want to see the numbers fall. And if you don't see the numbers fall, you, you get upset and, it links into a lot of cases of depression because you can't feel happiness or you can't see yourself unless you're at your lowest point. And again, with that, you get different conditions like bulimia, which is the voluntary forcing yourself getting sick. Um, you have body dysmorphia, which I personally had a major issue with. You see different, like minor, major defects that you perceive for yourself. But so you look in with body dysmorphia. You mm-hmm. look in a mir- with body dysmorphia. You look in a mirror. And see something completely different to what everybody else yeah. sees. Yeah, you you automatically look in the mirror and you're just pinpointing different things that you just want to change, but you can't change it, or it's not even there to change. You know. Did you get into uh, excessive exercise? Yeah. No. Which, strangely enough, anorexia, like you do get bouts of severe fatigue, mood swings, obvious uh, physical weight loss, and vitamin deficiency. So initially, I had to stop playing sport. I just I had to cut it out completely, and then leaving start came in. But to compensate with that was the exercising part. And that basically means that you are exercising every day strenuously just to lose the weight, just to counter the calories that you took in that day. So it becomes obsessive and it, it gives a misconception of you being healthy. And that's where it ties in with, sure, you can't be anorexic or, you know, he can't have mental health condition. He's just skinny. That's just his build. Yeah. And it's a big misconception about it. And it's a very dangerous sign as well. What about your family? Do you, when did at what point did they start to realise Shane's got an issue here? I remember it was twenty sixteen, so it was after my grandfather passed, I was going through leaving cert and my father saw me skipping outside. I would have been huge into cardio and everything like that. And he just saw me, I looked physically drained. And that's when my mum said that, Oh, Shane, there's something wrong with Shane, there's something up. And I remember we went to my GP. And that's when I was diagnosed with depression. And I, I, I immediately 
knew that there was something else there because, again, I didn't understand mental conditions at that age. And when I came home, I was regularly following up my antidepressants. And I don't recommend this to anyone, anyone out there, but I stopped them after, I think it was three days. And the reason I did that was because I knew there was something that was causing it. It wasn't necessarily the depression, but it was me stepping on the scales, knowing that I didn't lose enough weight. And that's what caused me to be upset. And when I think it was one evening in 2016, where I'd go for a walk behind my house. And on the walkway would be a river. And I took my dog down there. And it was a, a ritual almost that I'd go down there and I'd run or just go for a walk. And I'd never stop by the bend by the river. I never would, because it was always my milestone to run past it. And this one evening, I don't know why, but I stopped. And I can say, if I didn't have my dog with me, I wouldn't be talking right now. My God. Was yeah. that? W- would you say that was your lowest point? That was definitely my lowest point. And then coming home, my parents copped on to it, and we immediately went to a doctor again. And w- when was the word on... Uh the condition of anorexia nervosa mentioned? That wasn't until I was referred to hospital. Now, there is an incident where I fainted at home. I was brought up to South Dock and referred into hospital and then I was put on oxygen. It wasn't ventilator now, it was, it was the the um, plugs that were put into my nose and it was yeah. just to assist in uh, pumping oxygen. And um, I came out and my parents looked it up, the condition, and we said, that, that's it, that has to be it. Now, they didn't diagnose me in hospital with anorexia. We went back home, went to another GP, and thank God that I did see her because she did diagnose me anorexia nervosa, and we made the leap then to a dietitian and body-wise. And did it make a difference, Shane, to mm. have a name on your condition, if you know what I mean? It, it did in a way. I mean, I feel as if, if I didn't know I had anorexia, wouldn't be able to address the issue at hand. Um, you have to be able to acknowledge your own condition and talk about it. And I think this this ties into a lot of the stigma in Ireland. You know, it, it, it's a silent killer. It's a it's a silent pandemic. Um, you people are afraid to talk almost about mental health in Ireland. Um, although I will say this, of recently, and I I know lockdown is is such a uh, an issue for a lot of people, especially the elderly with loneliness and and such. But if you look at how many young people or people of all ages that have fundraised for different mental health organisations, it, it, it's tremendous. Yeah. I feel as if this is a milestone in Irish history for mental health. And if you reverse it about 20, 30 years ago, you couldn't even talk about depression or yeah. you couldn't even talk about yeah. mental health conditions. So this has really opened up a lot of avenues for... Uh, for and this. I also think mm-hmm. it's fantastic that what you're doing and coming out and talking about uh, anorexia because... I was saying this um, to John Paul in the office. I can't remember over the over my years during this program. I would have dealt with eating disorders, and I would have spoken to people who have gone on the same journey you, you've yeah. been on and recovered, thankfully, from bulimia or anorexia or overeating or whatever type of eating disorder. I don't think I've ever spoken with a young man. It is has a tendency to be a condition we associate with. Teen, wrongly with teenage yeah. girls so 100%. I think and, and of course boys and young men do suffer from it so I think you know well done to you and, and, and I'm assuming you're hoping by sharing your story that somebody listening is, is there's somebody a guarantee listening who's going to identify with what you're saying Yeah no 100% I mean like the, the whole idea about this is just to even help one more individual to go through 
the same avenues I went to recover from my condition. Like, we, we can't neglect the idea that, you know, 10% of cases of eating disorders are males. And this isn't the accurate or real value because we fail to understand people who are not diagnosed or, again, afraid to, to talk because of the stigma. And I guess that leads into a lot of um, higher risks of death because you can't seek help. And I mean, this is why I kind of wanted to come out with my story. If I didn't talk, I genuinely don't believe I'd be here today. I, I believe that my parents would have been a son lost and they would have been burying me. And I, I feel as if people would only have found out that I had anorexia or an eating disorder through my eulogy. And that's how powerful it is. Wow. That's why I want to get people to really push themselves. And I know it's it's difficult to get out there. Trust me, I, I like if it wasn't for lockdown or if it wasn't for other people starting to talk, I don't think I'd be able to talk now today. It's and what so what help was available to you, Shane? So luckily enough, we have a great organisation called Bodywise. Yeah. And I think they provide the key therapy that's needed and that's talking. What they do is they recommend 40 counselling sessions. And these are usually an hour long and they help trace back to where it all started. The, psych- the psychology behind it and your relationship with food and they try and build you up from a ground level up to get you to a healthy weight and then they start digging deeper and then they're able to build up that relationship and finally you're able to build up that connection and you almost become comfortable with talking about mental health and it's, it's that behavioral therapy that changes you a lot you know it, it, go, it goes beyond the, the quantitative measures such as you know trying to gain weight it's a qualitative issue which is really, really underestimated. How long did it take for you for for recovery? Oh, so in 2016 when I started, it wasn't until like 2017 where I started really getting the um, the help that I needed. So it took three years after that, but the wow. whole journey was four years. Wow! And where yeah. and and you're now in a really good place. Mm, very good. Um, I do owe a lot of it to again my family, my friends. There's so many different people out there that have motivated and pushed me. But at the same time, like, you can't forget to neglect yourself. If, if, if it wasn't for yourself, you haven't self-reflected and pushed yourself, you wouldn't be here. I mean, we, we, we love to, to think about and overthink different aspects. But if you really just sit back and you put in minor goals or small little milestones in your life. For instance, I remember for myself, a big one was increasing my portion sizes. So, you know, instead of having just a slice of toast, you have two slices of toast. Instead of having a yogurt, you have yogurt and a banana. Those small little goals, which you create yourself, really do make a huge difference. I think that has really achieved a lot of my life through kind of molding a lot of my academics and even my perception around those little milestones. And it does help a lot. And were you able at the time when you were going through it to talk to any of your, your friends at the time? Uh, I, I was, but not into the extent I was able to talk about it today. As in, you know, I'd be able to say different things as in like, oh, they would see I'd be visibly, you know, uh, lighter, you know, I've lost a lot of weight and we'd talk about it. But I'd always brush it off in a way. I'd always be like, oh, you know, that's just me. Or I wouldn't think too much about it. I never, ever mentioned the thought about myself uh, being depressed or trying to end my life. That was never talked about. And I felt it was such a major um, stress off my back to be able to talk about it and publicise it. 
And even after publicising, I had friends that I followed through primary school, secondary to after secondary school, who told me they tried to take their own life as well, or that wow. they were depressed. It's just—it's amazing to be able to come out about it, but also it shocks you because you think like you know that person in and out, you know them uh, from the back of your hand, and then you find out that six years ago they tried to hang themselves. You know, it's and so everyone difficult. everyone believes that they're the only ones going through it. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I suppose like a big a big factor about it is people think they're alone. You know, we, we think of statistics and it's hard to personalise statistics. It's hard to put yourself like in that mindset. So that's why I feel like the personal stories, like the story that I told today, helps a lot of people to make a connection, to mm-hmm. let them know that they aren't alone and that there are other people out there, you know. Yeah, and, it, and I know it is a big worry during lockdown with people feeling oh, isolated and, and mental health issues, you know. I, I do, I, I mean, I personally do worry when we get to the other side. Um, will we have lost people due to mental health rather than to COVID-19? Yeah, no. Um, an unfortunate incident happened recently um, of a, a father who um, killed himself in West Cork. And it, it's it's a tragic, tragic story. And it's the reality about mental health stigmas in Ireland. Um, a lot of the time, it, it can bring families together or tear them apart. Mm. And with lockdown, I think it's it's very tough to address that issue, to have a strong family, to be able to come together in such a terrible time. And you also have severe anxiety. And that's a big thing. And again, loneliness. I mean, we can't forget about the elderly who... Some may argue have been mistreated during the pandemic and have been neglected. And it is a very, very tough situation. But, I mean, there's nothing stopping us from picking up the phone. Or there's nothing stopping us from, you know, dropping a text to a friend that we haven't spoken to in five or six years. Mm. You know, I, I, I can't emphasize how much support I received when coming out about my, my story. Brilliant. How much it's helped to encourage myself to push it even further, to go beyond the boundaries, to really tackle that mental health stigma in Ireland. And, and you, I, I, you, and by sharing your story, you're also fundraising. And you set, uh, you set a goal of two thousand euro yeah. to raise for Bodywise uh, through um, idonate.ie. Uh, just explain why you set a goal of two thousand. So, in Ireland, there's a really, really unique standpoint with um, psychiatric aid or therapeutic um, uh, behavioural change, and that's because a lot of it's privatised. And with that becomes a lot of fluctuation in prices. Some clinics will charge fifty euro per hour, and some will charge up to a hundred euro per hour. And in Dublin, some exceed that of your monthly rent for housing. So my whole idea was to at least give one person the full therapy that I received that really gave me a fighting chance to live. And that forty counselling sessions that come at fifty at euro, 50 euro per day. Part. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Uh, how much have you raised? We raised 1400 so about well, 20% of the gold. Well done. Well, well done. And you're just literally asking people to go on to idonate.ie. What's the... Yeah, literally, idonate for Sashin Crave. You'll find my story. Um, it's available on my Facebook, um, on This Is Bandon. There's been multiple other organisations like the Mental Health Cork Foundation that's uh, shared it, BodyWise, and even on my Instagram. So it's available if you want to donate. That's true. And I, I'm not asking for 
major donations asking for 50 or 100 or anything will do yeah well i always say to people when we talk about these fundraisers all those fivers and tenors they're the Mm. ones they're the ones that add up now they're equally as welcome as the big ones but it's all those small ones add up and the long-term goal uh shane you've you know just about to 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 graduate public health science where do you see yourself five Uh, years ten years Personally, I can see myself working in the field of public health advocation to really challenge the stigma of mental health in Ireland, yeah. to really keep canvassing others, even like the whole idea is to change the mindset of young people. We, we can all be public health advocates. I don't need a degree to tell people that I had an eating disorder. All I need is courage or that voice, and I am a public health advocate, and so are you. You just need to push yourself and put yourself out there. But I feel as if, you know, there's a whole idea, oh, you know, I want to go abroad or I want to travel the world. And of course I do, but at the same time, there's so much work to do in Ireland and Ireland's such a unique place that I feel as if I owe a lot to the country to really work on the mental health stigma and even other health aspects. I think you'd be really good at that. I, I, I really do. You're, you're a credit to your family, but more than anything, I think you're a credit to yourself, uh, Shane. The best of luck to you going forward and thank you for taking the time out to join us and talk to us on the programme today. I really appreciate it, Maria. It's just great to get out there and you know push that um, agenda out there. OK, stay safe and stay healthy. Take care, Shane. Bye bye. What a lovely young man that is, uh, Shane uh, Cray. And uh, congratulations to him as he graduates from UCC in public health sciences. But as I say, I I think I'd have to go back through 30 years of diaries uh, for the programme, but I I do think it's, uh, I don't ever remember before talking to a young man who has made that sharing that journey of recovery from anorexia. I definitely over the years would have spoken to lots of of young females, but certainly not young men. And yet we know when you look at the statistics, when we speak with people like uh, Body Wise, who Shane's raising the money for the Eating Disorders Association of Ireland, they talk about the stats are there showing the numbers of, unfortunately, young men who battle with eating disorders, be it anorexia like what Shane has, or bulimia, or overeating. Uh, so uh, thank you to Shane. I really appreciate him taking time out to talk to us today. 1850 333 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. We are looking for your pet questions, by the way, because Jane uh, Pickett will be joining us after half past 12 today. But you can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at C103Cork. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We're going to go to Formoy Garda Station. We're joined uh, by Sergeant John Kelly for this week's uh, Garda file. Uh, good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, Thank you very much. You're welcome to the programme. Now, you want to start with the theft of a power uh, washer. And actually, there was a, a, a similar uh, theft, uh, if I remember rightly, uh, last week as well. So these can be expensive pieces of equipment. Yeah, expensive pieces of equipment. In this particular case, it was a red Honda power washer. I'm advised that the value of it in, is around €400. Euros. Yeah. Um, a lot of people using them at the moment. People are staying at home. They're, you know, right on lawnmowers, everything where, you know, they're well in use at the moment. But for people, uh, obviously, something like that needs to be locked down after use. 
Um, this uh, would have, would have been taken from uh, what you would have described as a comparatively secure yard, a backyard of a house at Bridget Street for Moy, between Friday the twenty second last, and between uh, the twenty fifth, which was Monday. Um, so the guardian for my O two five A two one hundred would appreciate any call with relation to maybe a person that saw suspicious activity around Bridges Street for my during that time. Somebody who um, may have been offered, you, you know, something corresponding a red handed power washer for sale. Um, so again, if there have any information, we'd would be appreciative of it. Okay, but and for everybody else, type, keep them secure. Yeah. Exactly, because it's a type of summer crime that we see, you know. Um, it kind of reappears every summer. Power washers, uh, garden equipment, expensive garden equipment, strimmers, um, you know, chainsaws, anything like that. You know, when they're not in use, lock them up. Yeah, I remember know? the one actually last week was a story out of West Cork where a neighbour was doing a good deed and he was leaving out the power wash for his other neighbour wanted to borrow it and he left it at the gate. And sure, somebody now complete opportunistic theft. Though I'm, I'm someone came along, saw yeah, it, and it was visible. gone. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If if it's visible, and I think this thing of leaving out something for one look, you know, and I'm not casting aspersions on any, anyone. We've all been guilty of doing it, you know, at some stage. But really, it's something that it should be a person-to-person transfer. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you can't. So that you, you can be sure that somebody got it. Just you know? just it's because possible. we're all trusting and we wouldn't do it, we've got to unfortunately allow for the minority who will. Who will exactly? Who will, who will exactly, and it can be opportunist, and and like you know, when you consider power washers, uh, you know, just described a red Honda uh, power washer that was stolen. Look, they're all very identifiable by their color. The colors stand out, but by the same token, if you leave it inside in your yard, that bright orange color, that bright red color, you you, you know, you can see it straight away. It's like if a you're beacon from yeah. the road. Yeah. If it's in a front garden, say you know. Okay. Um, now you say it's like a beacon. You know, you've got a um, change scam. To tell us about yeah a change scam it's a variation of the change scam that we're familiar with you know and that we have from time to time somebody coming in with three or four hundred euros and 20 notes or something and they're trying to change it into 50s in this particular case a court down in carry two last saturday um a male came in right he requested 280 euros uh which he had in 20 euro notes which were counted at the time to be lodged into his top-up card now the, after counting the money, it appears the male still had control of the money. Um, the person in the shop got distracted. It turned out, anyway, when the money was put in the till, 100 euros turned up in the till. So he managed to, uh, he had transferred it from one hand to another and obviously had managed to pay 180 euros of it. Yeah, you know. So for just for people to be aware of it, it is a variation of a scam and it could be the start of uh, of something as well. You know? Okay, so people just um, be careful when someone comes in to lodge money like that, take the money from them, move away from the counter, back from the counter, count correct. the money. And that's possibly slightly easier to do at the moment because of screens and everything and people's social distancing. So it might be easier for staff to do it. Absolutely. And the screen should make it uh, impossible for somebody to kind of lean in over the counter as well. Trying to get the money back uh, from you. You know, so make sure that you actually physically have the money in your hand while the transaction is taking place. Okay, stay on scams, um, but this one is an online scam. This someone is an online scam. More and more people are, you know, are online. They're at home. The lockdown, you know, they're they're googling maybe something. In this case, uh, uh, a lady who my colleague in Limerick, Berleach, um, who's in Henry Street, told me about. Um, now it appears she was reading an article online. 
you know, when uh, it, there was a pop-up and uh, basically advising how to buy cryptocurrency. Now, this particular person would be regarded as being very highly, highly educated as regards in all facets of life um, and in dealing with buying and selling online, but uh, was tempted by this thing on cryptocurrency, sent off a query, got an immediate phone call back you know, as regards uh, what she had just sent in. Um, she sent on um, to this caller a copy of her driving license, a photographic copy of her driving license. Uh, she contracted with them to buy 250 euros of cryptocurrency. Safe to say no cryptocurrency uh, uh, you know, has appeared, but there, there's 1,050 euros gone from her account. So, God, that's a, it, looking for her driver's license is an, is, is an unusual one. It is, Patricia, and it could be indicative of a situation where they're building up uh, identification that could be used for another online fraud afterwards. Okay. You know, because, yeah. you, 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 you know, whereby um, somebody builds up, uh, you know, a complete uh, profile of a person and use that to create a false account afterwards. You know, maybe it's some other thing, you know. So we're, ba- uh, we're back ide- again. Identity theft. We're back again to when somebody contacts you over the internet or over the phone, somebody who you don't know, you give them nothing of, when it comes to personal information. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, and it just shows you scammers are buying into the, those Facebook ads as well and they're buying everything, you know. Um, so just be aware of what you're doing, you know. Stand back, you know, it's like anything. Take the cool off period. You know, am I doing the right thing? You know, have I just discussed this with my friends? Do I know of some other way, uh, you know, of buying it? Have I done my research? You know, so all of those things have to be taken into, you know, and not just jumping at something. that. Yeah, and I, and I think because of lockdown, people are at home more and probably feeling a little bit more relaxed and there's boredom kicks in. So people are online and you might get tempted by something that in the normal run of the mill, you wouldn't be tempted by it. Exactly. And, uh, you know, to keep reminding people as well, you know, to try, you know, the computer nowadays, right, presents a, a virtual front door into our lives. You know, you have your physical front door, you have your virtual front door. You know, the, uh, shall we say, the physical theft can uh, occur by coming through your, your main front door. But theft can also be done by coming through your virtual front door. You know, mm. don't don't just disregard that for an instant. You know, um, okay. can I just prefer maybe some advice for the weekend uh, that's in it? Um, uh, you know, for for people that uh, you know are travelling within, you know, the five kilometre travel limit that we have. You know, that five kilometre travel limit for exercise and certain leisure activities still in place needs to be respected for the good of everyone. You know, and do not travel to your holiday home. That's still not allowed. You know, uh, essential journeys insofar as is possible. You know, and if people are going out to enjoy the good weather, beaches, parks, beauty spots, etc., you know, for them to maintain social distancing. Don't forget, you know, you know that, uh, you know, there could very easily be a spike in cases as well, you know, so people, groups should only be four people. Don't stay that long. You know, again, the guarantee we're using our graduate policing response, you know, we're engaging, educating, encouraging. Last resort, for us is to enforce. So we're also there uh, the whole time to help people, particularly the vulnerable, just uh, call, you, you know, to your local guard station. Um, can I just mention as well, increasing amounts, uh, you know, of people are out walking, cycling, you know, um, and, uh, you know, just a word of caution to them. Walk or cyclist, if you're out on 
roads. Where there's no footpath, the country roads. You know, at the moment with the growth, they're they're after the hedges after after moving out a foot or two feet until such time as they're trimmed. Possibly most people trim. Well, obviously once nesting season is over. But for walkers and cyclists, take the earphones out. Be conscious of. Um, be conscious of their surroundings, you know, be, you know, farmers and uh, the agricultural community, you know, they're doing lots of work at the moment. The silage is, is going on. Um, a word to them also, you know, anyone driving out there at the moment in the country areas, we've all seen the 10 metre, uh, 30 foot brake marks from agricultural machinery. You know, safe to say, you, you know, if you have to leave a 30 foot brake mark, you're travelling too fast. Yeah. You know, the work can get done. You know, I, re- I do realise that, um, Possibly farmers are, are, are carrying the silage long distance, maybe from an outside farm that may, might be four or five kilometres away. But they're not the only ones using the road. You know, there's plenty of other people out there walking and cycling. So it's it's a word of advice to both the people driving the, the large tractors, which are now one and a half times bigger than they were 20 years ago. You know, mm. um, you need to be able to stop in time. You're carrying large loads. You know, and there isn't a there isn't a, a record being set for which driver is going to get from the uh, from the silage pit back to the field. You know, so well, it's funny because I, I mentioned this earlier because I was looking at stats that have been released by your good selves at Ungar the Shikona and the road road the number of road deaths that we've had and pedestrian deaths for the first three months of this year have doubled. It was nine last year up to the end of March and it went to eighteen this year, and a lot of that is down to people out and about during lockdown and walking. Like we all have to share the road. Everyone, Absolutely. everyone has a role to play. Yes, yeah, everybody has a role, a role to play. And but I see an increasing amount of of people. They seem to be going around with the headphones in. You know, they're not aware of their environment. You know, they're not aware of the birds singing. They're not aware of of of, of, the, of the tractor coming. They're not aware of the car coming. Yeah. It could be coming into a bend. You're not the only person walking on that road. Yeah. You know, and as I say, particularly where there's no footpaths. So for people to just to bear that in mind, and um, that's fine if you're on the footpath inside, walking in a town or walking in the city. Different story altogether. Okay, listen, um, everybody. So for people to stay safe. Yeah. We're in the bank holiday weekend. Yeah, and um, that's what it's all about. It's all about everybody. You can enjoy it within your five kilometres, but stay safe. We want it. We want everybody to stay safe at the end of the weekend. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And thank you, Patricia. All right, John. To all the and, and we'll talk. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is a guard. Our sergeant John Kelly uh, for this week's guard. The file joining us from my guard the station. And actually, earlier I had called out when we were talking. When I was talking about those figures, those stats, on the number of, of people that have been killed on a road in car accidents, and also the number of people pedestrians that have been have been killed. Somebody sent in a text saying, Patricia, would you remind joggers and walkers? A little bit like what John has just been saying there about the having the earphones in and the earphones being too loud and people not aware of what's going on around them and not aware there was a car uh, coming behind him. And I mentioned that, I called out that listener's comment and somebody then, I don't know if there's a name on this, somebody on our Twitter uh, account at uh, C103 uh, Cork having a pop off me saying Patricia Messner is complaining of joggers wearing headphones and people walking, stepping off the path into traffic. Do you even think for a second of telling motorists to slow down and watch out for vulnerable road users instead of victim blaming? If you'd listened to the whole piece, I wasn't victim blaming. And what we're t- the message we've been trying to get across not just today, we've done it previously. We have to share the road. Everyone has a role to play from the walker and the jogger 
to the person in the car, to the person, as John mentioned, the agricultural vehicle, the person on the bicycle, the person on the motorbike. We all have a role to play in this. We're just trying to keep everybody safe. 1850 And there was a text in earlier that I have an answer to. And I'm always, it's always great when I get a text in and I can try to solve the problem that the listener is highlighting. A listener says, Patricia, could you please highlight the danger of Bally McQuirk Cross? You have no view as the hedges and the grasses haven't been cut. Seemingly, they won't be cut for a while, says this texter. It's really, really dangerous. That's the crossing from Bantir to Canturk. You literally have no view and something needs to be done about it. OK, that came in earlier. We've now been told that a contractor has been appointed to cut back the overgrowth to improve motorists' view at that junction. And the good news is that the work is due to be carried out within the next week. Now, it's not, I don't, looking at that, it's not going to happen this weekend, but it certainly will be happening next week because I know we're into nesting season and all of that and they won't be able to cut it back. But just to let that listener know, because they contacted us earlier this morning and obviously they live in the area and it's a junction that they have to negotiate maybe a couple of times a day and there's nothing worse than if you get to and it's a very for those who don't know the junction it's a really really busy busy junction it's the main road from the it leads on to the main road from between Mallow and say Killarney so it's a very very busy busy stretch and people coming out from Canturk are are banned here just you they literally are taking their lives in their hands at times when we get to stages like that where the sides of the road is completely overgrown and it's a very it was at one stage we've done interviews about it here in the programme it has at one stage been billed as probably the, one of the most dangerous junctions in Ireland because and there's, there's been a number of fatalities and accidents at that junction so anyway listen I'm glad to share that piece of good news that that is going to get uh, sorted out and then on Inchidani this was earlier when we were talking own English actually from the Irish Examiner joined us to talk about Inchidani and what had happened yesterday with that rescue well somebody's texting about that saying I live in Inchidani and I'd like to say that yesterday an ambulance the guards two lifeboats and a helicopter were all called to that incident that you spoke about this morning where four males got into trouble in the water now first of all what I want to know is are they all within the five kilometres and as most people will know locally of the dangers of that channel. Secondly, the helicopter came from Limerick. My goodness, how much did that cost, the sheer expense of it? I think the guards should be positioned on the second causeway, stopping traffic and asking everyone where they are travelling from. The traffic was unbelievable yesterday at Inchidani, so goodness knows what it is going to be like over this bank holiday weekend. People, please, will you think before you travel. Uh, people are nervous that a lot of people are going to head to the beaches uh, this weekend. And I did say that the Gardaí were out and there was a picture in the paper of a Garda down at Inchidani stopping people on the way. And we mentioned at the very top of the programme that the Garda Siakon are saying to people, don't, please don't think about going to your holiday home. You're still not allowed to travel within the five kilometres. And they're asking people to abide by the restrictions. When when I mentioned that, somebody sent in a text saying that the Gardaí are too late because we said they're going to be out in tourist areas checking to see where people are travelling to and uh, from. Somebody says, Patricia, they're too late. The people are already in 
their holiday homes. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Cope Foundation, who support over 2,500 children and adults with an intellectual disability and autism in over 70 locations across Cork City and County, are fundraising by asking people to complete the Five Peaks in One Week Challenge anytime during the month of June. The Five Peaks are Coron Tool, Galtimore, Knocknell Down, My Lossa and Knockboy. For example, you're asked to climb the equivalent of 1,040 metre Coron Tool. Participants would have to walk 12 kilometres and climb 300 flights of steps. Full details on how you can take part in Donate are available. That's a really clever initiative. You can go to their COPE Foundation website, which is www.cope-foundation.ie. And the best of luck to everybody involved with Barry Row, GAA and Camogie Club. They're fundraising for Marymount Hospice next Sunday. They're having a parish pocketon. Great fun for everyone to take part. You register through their website, www.barryrowgaa.ie. And the Mallow and Charleville branch of the Irish Red Cross are fundraising over this June bank holiday weekend to enable them to continue to run their ambulance service for the coming year. You can donate on their GoFundMe page. The link on their web page is also on the Cork uh, on the Cork Diary section of C103.ie. Cork today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. You wouldn't buy a car without knowing its history. So why would you buy a story without knowing who's telling it? Come here and I tell you. It's not always easy to verify what you see, read or hear. But now, there's help. Visit www.bmediasmart.ie Stop. Think. Check. Be Media Smart. Brought to you by Media Literacy Ireland. Supported by your local radio station. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. When we arrived to work this morning in our message box was a little video that I have to say made all of us smile. And it is a group of ladies in, I'm told, Iris and Bera have created what's called the Makeup Challenge video. And they're doing it to raise some money for charities. To find out more, Hannah O'Sullivan, one of the ladies involved, uh, joins me. Um, good, good afternoon to you, Hannah. I'm sorry, I have the wrong wrong. Good afternoon to you, Hannah. Hi, uh, hi. How are you? You're very, you're welcome to the program. Firstly, well done. It's a really, really clever uh, video. Just take, now we're going to share it on our Facebook page and uh, other social media outlets in the next couple of minutes. But just before we do, just explain to people what what you've done on the video. Oh well, we're um, a group of girls. We all live in Irie's village down in Barrow, West Cork, and we're all working ladies. Most of us are parents. And um, we decided during this time of COVID-19 that we would raise a bit of awareness for charities and try and keep all the girls connected. So um, I saw abroad that it was something similar uh, on a video and I said, sure, we can all do that. And I got in contact with the group of girls on WhatsApp and they all sent me the videos and um, I put it all together a couple of weeks ago. So we had really good fun making it. The bloopers video is nearly the best. Well, I have to say, we saw it and thought, oh, well, some, they, they got that professionally put together or somebody is professional at that. Ooh, and, and I'm yeah. told, no, it's the first. 
No, I'm not. I, I'm definitely not a professional. I just downloaded an app and um, just worked from there, really. And wow. the girls were really good. They all got together and they uh, got dressed up. You know, that was quite a bit of effort in these days. We're all used to lounging around in our trackies and we put a bit of makeup on and put all the videos together. And yeah, it was really good fun. I have to say the transformation of some of the girls was incredible because the idea is you 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 see each of how many how many in total how many friends is involved? I, there's fifteen of 15. us that actually took part in the video. Okay, um, so you see each of the ladies first in very normal attire, are in the kitchen working, and then with the shake of a brush, they suddenly transform. They have the their best glad rags on, and the makeups are perfect. Yes. Yes, um, we're really excited that it's nearly got over uh, 10,000 views on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> and hopefully that raises awareness for the charities then. Uh, OK, you've picked a number of charities. You're just, you're just saying to people if they want to donate to any of the, the charities, which charities have you selected? Um, we have Childline, Peter House, Marymount Hospice, the RNLI, Cystic Fibrosis, Bumbalance and My Canine Companion and Bernardo's. Okay. They were all um, close to our, uh, our hearts, so we um, decided to each donate, uh, give a contribution. Well done, well done. Thank and you. as a friendship group, how have you all come together? Did you go to school together? What's the connection? Well, we all live in Iris. Okay. I'm actually from England. I moved to Iris 12 years ago, married an Iris man, and... Uh, other ladies have similar stories and other ladies were born and bred there. So we, we're just all good friends, really. We all meet up. Um, we all go for coffee. We all have children a similar age. Uh, we all like going out. Uh, we're really lucky to live in Iris. It's an absolutely fabulous place. And especially during these times, we're, we're feeling very, very grateful to be living out here. And have you have you missed that connection with each other or have you kept that up on a, on a virtual basis? Absolutely on a virtual basis, yeah. Um, it's quite a small village. I don't know whether you know I it. I do, I know it yeah. well, yeah. Um, it's a very small village, so if we were out walking, we might bump into people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely on a virtual basis, we're, we're in contact um, a lot. So yeah, it's great. Well. But usually we'd be um, meeting up in the village because there's plenty to do here as well. It's a fabulous little place. And are you working from home or, or what? Uh, are, are, are you stay-at-home mothers? We are, no, mo- I'd say all of us are, are working mums, yep, and working ladies. Uh, we, some of us have our own businesses in the village, like I have a dance school, my sister has a dog groomers, uh, my other friend, she has glamping pods. Um, there's a motorhome park, and cafes, restaurants, shops. Oh, you're busy. You're busy, so we're ladies. All busy, yeah. You're all busy, ladies. That's well. It's terrific. Listen, congratulate each and every one of your friendship group because it's 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 fantastic. You, you look like a great bunch of fun friends. Was the one thing that came across uh, lo- looking at it, yes. and it just struck me that everyone got dressed up to go nowhere. Then did they? Well, I tried to do mine in the morning so that <laughs> it wouldn't be a waste of the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrific. And well, as I say, we'll put it up on our we'll share it on our Facebook page as well. 
so that everyone uh, can see it. Well done, Hannah, and thank you for that. Thank you. I just would like to say a big congratulations to Sharon Crowley, who had her baby. She's featured at the end of the video. She okay. had her baby last Wednesday. Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah, have you seen boy. the Have you seen the baby yet? Um, we've seen him on a picture. Yeah, on a on picture. He's absolutely beautiful. Is he? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well done. Listen, thanks, Hannah. Take care. Uh, you mind yourself. Bye-bye. That is um, Hannah O'Sullivan, one of those ladies from Irie's who have shared that video. It is a make uh, a makeup brush challenge. It's just a great bit of fun, as I say. It certainly made us smile this morning when we came to work. OK, some of your texts coming in. Can you keep your pet questions coming, please, for Jane Pickett, our resident vet, 1850 You can get through to Sadie or to John Paul or you can text her WhatsApp me at 0862 103 103. I've just spotted um, Eileen's getting the wrong day of the week. She's a gardening question in. Yesterday was gardening day. Uh, Eileen, if you want to resend that in to us next a week uh, for fear I'd make an oath of it and I'd forget about it but if you get the question in to Peter he'll be with us next Wednesday do you remember earlier I had a text from a listener wasn't it Jim in West Cork I think it was who was wondering if I could find out it was Jim in West Cork he said he spotted a very bright light passing across the sky over West Cork. He said it was around 11 o'clock last night and what could it be? And somebody had said, was it the spaceship? And I said, no, it couldn't have been the spaceship because just before that was due to launch, it got cancelled because of the weather. Well, somebody was on straight away to say, Patricia, my fiancé spotted a very bright flash of light to the northeastern sky last night. It was also at around 11pm. It actually startled her. That's from Patrick in Formoy. But then quick as a flash, somebody was on to say that light in the sky that your listeners are talking about, uh, Trish, is the space station. It is visible for the next three nights over Ireland. So if you want to go out into the night sky and it is at around 11 o'clock, you can expect to see it. I think somebody said there was a satellite tracker. Oh, it's, it's an app. It's called Satellite Tracker and it shows you what rocket or anything else that's passing around the, the time. You know, it's a little bit like the plane finder when a plane goes o- overhead. I didn't realise there's a similar one. It is called a satellite tracker if people want to take a look into that. Let me see what else is coming in by some of your calls in. The Mick on the government, not happy with all the lockdowns, says they railroaded these rules to keep us locked in. People need to be given back some freedom instead of being locked in. Let us have our lives back. You can sense by that uh, text that uh, Jim is just getting very, very fed up. A lot of people are, but again, what we've been asked to do is to kind of hang in there, stick with it. We're all doing the right thing and we'll come out at the other side and everything will be okay, please God. Valerie is on wants to know, Patricia, could you please investigate? Well, we'll call it out and see if we can get help. Why is it not possible, says Valerie, to buy sachets of dried yeast in West Cork at the moment? Other items that were not available at the beginning of the lockdown have all come back onto the shelves. But Valerie says can't get dried sachets of dried yeast. And Valerie signs herself as a home bread maker. And obviously without the dried yeast, she's unable to make her wonderful homemade bread. So let's put the call out, please, to the good people of West Cork. I don't know where in West Cork Valerie is, but the fact that she says anywhere in West Cork, I'm assuming she would be, I don't know if she could be travelling outside the five kilometres, but she might know somebody would be able to pick it up or somebody could post it on or whatever. Anyway, let's do a shout out. Does anybody know where in West Cork 
you can buy sachets of dried yeast. If like Valerie, you're a home bread maker, have you been out shopping and have you managed to pick up sachets of dried yeast? Because Valerie is in need at the moment, please. Hi, Patricia, you were asking earlier, what are we doing to help stop the spread of the virus? Well, I can tell you, I've told my cousins in England and America not to travel this year. And that's been my advice uh, to them. Uh, stay stay away from us, please, until we get over this COVID-19. Uh, Just on airport and travel and all of that. We spoke about that earlier as well. Patricia, the virus was brought into this uh, country, whether it was by air or sea. It is too serious for ministers to be to be tinkering with I'm assuming any of the restrictions these are necessary rules and laws that are in this uh, country and it is for all of our own good we can't tinker with any of the restrictions that are in place and then we spoke with Blarney Castle now the castle itself is closed but the gardens are open well Una was on to say and Paul from Blarney Castle the uh, Paul O'Sullivan painted a lovely picture of the beautiful gardens and he was describing various parts of the gardens and it just sounded absolutely idyllic with the gorgeous weather that we're having at the moment. And, you know, it's open at the moment for people within the five kilometres. And then we spoke about tourism and, you know, they're obviously going to miss out on their overseas tourists to Blarney, but the hope would be that the staycationers and there will be more people will be going by um, staycation. Uh, people staying in this country will be going on holidays instead. Well, Una says, Patricia, I wonder would Blarney Castle consider a less expensive rate at the moment they're charging 16 euro per adult or 40 euro for a family pass photo and Donnery Park are free attractions I always thought that it would be nice to have a gardens only entry fee to Blarney I know they have a, an, an annual membership fee but particularly at this time when Irish people will be needed locally I think favourable prices would be much more encouraging to people if attractions want Irish customers they may have to consider reducing their prices. They might even encourage repeat business and then they could keep, this is all attractions, they'd be able to keep that business off season, which would be much better than the one visit that the international visitor will take to any of those attractions. Thanking you, says uh, Una, who suggests that various establishments might consider lowering uh, their prices. It's going to be hard for a lot of those businesses, though, to even keep going financially when they do get up and running. And some attractions and some services, when they get up and running, are actually going to be costing more than what we paid for them before the lockdown. And that's because of additional costs. I mean, already, like lots of people can't wait for the countdown to hairdressers uh, opening but I think everyone can we can already accept that we're going to be paying more when we go to the hairdressers I'm assuming it'll be the same for the beauticians because they have all the additional costs in order to keep their staff safe and to keep their clients safe we were already seeing it at the dentist only last week we were talking about people going to the dentist and they were charged what was called a, a COVID fee anything between 20 and 30 euro extra and it's to cover the cost of all the additional PPE gear that has to be bought by dentists so is it going to be the same for tourist attractions that they will have extra costs where we actually see prices going up and down but I do accept uh, Una's point if they can tap into the local clientele and tap into that the stay uh, cationers they are the people that might come back more than once rather than an international traveller 
who will go as we've all we all do ourselves when we go to other countries you go and visit a museum or whatever it is and you do it once and you won't be back again whereas if they can tap into the locals maybe the locals will be the repeat business that they need particularly off season so you raise a very very valid point uh, Una thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 let's take a break and we are back answering your pet questions with Jane Pickett Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future Future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Fon Sawalcha, Lassie 103. Covid Nidig and Shutin Aaron Agus Kamwitz Fanox Oalia Kun Wit Fain Agasekela Akusens, and Nishna planned a Kui Kamina Aun Hyan Tira Oskazurish, Kazian Suktava Dig Baltana Bay Derla Cooper Strinta of the Aun Hanafain, Makan Tudonamak and Bino Kukasa all, Fon Ga Vader Erelide Oguina Ella, Bigi Olaf Lista Shopadorta Agus Nabi Brazal, Tor Aragonadini Ella Tasha Shopa, Agus Gunner Fern, Eta Igo Brown, Matatari Dolomon Akliach the Tavamwe, and Nishta Kadago Fana Voskut Kui Kilometer Dimbalia. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Before I go to Jane, just very quickly, uh, some oh, Valerie was looking for sachets of yeast in West Cork. They're available in Super Value in Bandon, Valerie. Uh, you didn't say where in West Cork you are. Hopefully you can make it to Super Value in Bandon. Mary Cohan is asking any update on my laburnum uh, tree and what, what did have a good outcome? Haven't had a good outcome, unfortunately, Mary. The tree doctor came and said it's not, it can't be saved, so it has to be taken down, uh, which is very unfortunate indeed. Let me go to the phone lines where Jane Pickett our resident vet joins us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. 
Hi there. And you're very welcome. Let me start with a question that came in at the end of last week and in fairness to the listener, they're back in with it first thing this week so I don't want the listener to miss out again to say, Hi Trish, could you ask Jane, my dog seems to have lost his hearing all of a sudden. Is there anything I can do to help him? Now I don't have any more details as to how old the dog are. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming an older dog. Can a dog suddenly lose their hearing? Yeah, I, I suppose it can happen. Um, a number of things that would make it happen all of a sudden is, I suppose, very similar to humans. Some kind of trauma or an extremely loud noise, like a loud bang. Sometimes we get problems with rupture of the eardrums, which are how the sound is kind of transmitted in, in, in the ear and onto the brain. So a big loud bang or if the dog was involved in some kind of, of trauma, like a road traffic accident, sometimes we do see kind of acute or swift loss of hearing. But far more common things do happen. So I suppose in older age, sometimes a gradual loss of hearing is what we what we encounter. And I know some of my, my own dogs, as the years have gone on, they've become a little bit hard of hearing in, in their old age. Um, but for it to happen all of a sudden is curious. I suppose the common things are common. I would just make sure to contact your vet because it may require an examination down the ear with a little special a special little light called an otoscope which allows us to see down to the the inner workings of the middle ear and that will tell us if there's anything in the way so it could be something as simple as an awful lot of build-up of wax making that hearing a little bit duller um or it could be a a problem with an infection which has caused a caused a rupture or a break in that little tympanic membrane which is where the sound bounces off and is and is made before it gets transmitted to the brain so they will be causes of kind of swift hearing loss I think it's very, very difficult to quantify hearing in our dogs and cats. A lot of the time, and I suppose the most common thing that we can do is is test their reaction to, I suppose, normal sounds like you calling them to come back in when they're out and about or, you know, calling them where where you can't be seen. Um, But dogs are so perceptive that a lot of their senses sometimes compensate quite well and visually they become very, very active. So they're very good at spotting things. And if a dog or indeed a cat does lose their hearing, they can still, Mm. they adapt and live on and can still live very healthy, happy lives. Absolutely. I think they are incredibly adaptable creatures. I don't think we give them half enough credit for it. I think in an ideal world, it would be fabulous if they had all of their senses, but definitely we do notice that they seem to compensate and really adapt quite well. I think things that I would worry about with dogs and cats um, being deaf is generally the family will adapt very well to having them around and just be extra mindful of, let's say, not accidentally sneaking up and surprising them. Um, just try to you know walk to their side so that they can see you so, don't you, so that you don't keep giving them a big shock. Um, yeah if they can't hear you coming but I think mainly the road would be the thing I would worry about so proximity to to the road when they can't hear cars coming is a big concern so I suppose if you do have a deaf pet in your household making sure that your access to the road is really well fenced just to keep them safe Okay Jane says I have a lot of cats Um, what is the best way to worm them I've tried a liquid version but I'm wondering is that the best option what are the better options Hmm. So if you have a number of cats, a liquid option is quite good. Now, the one thing I would say is we need to make sure that they're being appropriately dosed for their weight. So most of um, most of the wormers that we use will be by weight. So there are tablets that you can use um, and there is liquids that you can use exactly like um, this listener has, has discussed. There's other products that are kind of new on the market that are only available very recently in the last year or two. 
So finally, actually, there is a, a spot on treatment then you can give um, that will do all of the worms. So the roundworms and the little rice grains that are tapeworms. Um, and that didn't exist until until reasonably recently. I think whatever way you do it, um, just make sure that you're dosing appropriately. So if you're putting liquid into the food, just make sure you're trying to feed all of the cats separately. That might be a big challenge. Uh, but for the, the one or two days that's in it of doing it, it's worth the effort because you want to make sure if you're going to the, the effort of doing the worming that it, it's going to be effective um, as so that they're dosed right for their weight. I think there are tablets that are available and sometimes that can be an easier, more kind of sure way because you'll see the tablet going down. So sometimes that's a, a bit more of a guaranteed way of doing it rather than eating half of the food with the with the liquid wormer in. The spot on is quite reliable, but I suppose it can be a, a tad more expensive than doing it by the tablet or the, the oral liquid route. I think another important thing is really frequency. So making sure they're dosed properly for their weight, but frequency is really important as well. Now it's a bit different depending on your situation but I would say the average cat in this country that is an adult needs to be wormed at least every three months okay. um, any longer than that and you're really running the risk and of lots of eggs being mar- out mark it on your calendar so that so that you will mm. uh, remember it uh, okay and uh, another listener says get Jane to remind uh, to remind pet owners about the warm weather with dogs and cats and to make sure that they have adequate liquid available and water mm-hmm. available. Because uh, yeah. I, I, I spoke about this earlier earlier in the week. You can get sunstroke, can't they? Dogs get heat stroke. Oh, absolutely. We don't quite, we, in this country particularly, we don't expect it in the springtime, but some of the temperatures that we've been having recently have been really quite high. So if you have a dog or a cat, particularly an at-risk breed that might struggle with their breathing, so let's say the squished-in face dogs like pugs or boxers, they generally struggle to, let's say, pant off heat like another dog would. So they would be an at-risk breed. So they would be far more at risk um, of getting things like heat stroke than a normal dog would. But all dogs and all dogs um, and some cats, although that said, cats are usually quite sensible in finding a nice shady spot, um, are at risk of, of heat stroke. So I think the main things are try to walk them at points in the day, particularly if it's a very hot day, um, that are a little bit cooler. So don't go walking in the peak of sun between midday and three. Try and have an early morning walk or a later evening walk if you can um, and I think another important point everybody's out in the roads walking at the moment I've seen a lot of dogs and cats about going for lovely walks with their owners make sure that everybody has some high vis on because although it is springtime and it's nice and sunny um, it's just to make sure everybody's safe on the road and just make sure they have lots of water as well and I suppose the same thing goes all year round make sure that they're not trapped in an area with lots of glass so cars are a big no-no never leave them unattended in cars but also conservatories just be extra careful that they don't accidentally get locked in the conservatory and they, to hide. they can heat up so quickly. Okay, we leave it there, mm. Jane. Have a good week. Enjoy the sunshine. You too. And we'll talk to you next Thank week. You. That is Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your course. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. And to the line, Patricia Messenger. Nick Richards is next. on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Adapting to being at home full-time can be challenging for everyone. Some of us are trying to balance working from home with homeschooling, and some of us are extremely lonely with the days long and hard to fill. Make a new routine that includes some physical activity, social activity, and some timed breaks. If you've got kids, understand that they might be anxious and fearful about the current situation. Talk to them, acknowledge their fears, and reassure them. You can also build a strong relationship with your child through playing with them. It's also really important to stay connected to family and friends you can 
can't be with during this time. So put your phone to good use. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.